0: And welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David, and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And if you'd like to check us out online, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week, we're kicking off a new series in the book of 1 Thessalonians, and today's sermon is entitled Living a Chosen Life, and it focuses on 1 Thessalonians 1. We hope you enjoy the sermon.
1: The first reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, found on page 1451 of the Pew Bibles. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the Church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with the deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Hear the word of the Lord.
0: growing up i loved punk rock music one of my favorite bands was a rockabilly band called the living end and uh you may have figured out we've we've shamelessly plagiarized uh the band's name for our series title uh but i love this band it's uh it's um it's a sign of affection and respect to them and i used to go to their shows whenever i could um believe it or not at one point i had a mohawk. Can you imagine that? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, they played at the Eka, um, at the Brisbane Showgrounds and so for the price of admission, I got to see one of my favourite bands and they were just electric. Um, The bass player, he would stand on his bass and he would balance on the tip of the bass. Um, and the lead singer um, would uh, would play music uh, and then he'd swing on his beer and then he'd play the guitar with, with, with the beer bottle on the frets. They were just They were just insane. They were amazing. One of their early hits was called A Prisoner of Society and it was a punk rock anthem for kids who wanted to take on the world. The verse was a chugging verse and it went like this. Well, we don't need no one to tell us what to do. Oh, yes, we're on our own and there's nothing you can do. So we don't need no one uh, like you to tell us what to do. Bit simple. (laughs) Uh, But looking back on these lyrics now, I realize that while I thought I was throwing off the shekels of society and being my own person, I was simply putting on the straitjacket of individualism. Today, you see, we're expected to live like no one else can tell you what to do. We apply these lyrics to our lives. We're meant to find our true selves and live our lives without reference to anybody else. No one else matters as much as I do. I get to figure out my own destiny and who I become as a person. This, of course, is impossible, but it's why people spend their lives trying to find their true selves and desperately trying to make themselves happy. Today we're starting a new series called The Living End, um, and it's written to a truly countercultural community. The church in Thessalonica was forged through a series of talks given over three Saturdays by the Apostle Paul in the portside city of Thessalonica. Thessalonica was the capital of Macedonia, which is, was northern Greece at the time. And it was a melting pot of Romans, Greeks, and Jews. Traders and soldiers, slaves and freemen. It was such an important town that shortly after he became a Christian, Paul travelled there in Acts 17. And Acts 17 tells us the story of how Paul went to Thessalonica, as was his custom, and he preached in the synagogue there, proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, uh, as did a number of God-fearing Greeks. Uh, They were people who uh, had converted from Greek religions to Judaism. And there were plenty of women, prominent women in this church. But of course, that made the Jewish leaders jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed on the house of Jason who was a convert uh, and they wanted to get Paul and Silas but when they found out that Paul and Silas weren't there, they beat Jason up, dragged him into the city and brought him before the city officials and they said this, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are defining Caesar's decrees saying there is another king, one called Jesus. When they hear this, the crowd goes into turmoil um, and they send Jason to prison and he has to post bond. And as soon as night falls, Paul and Silas, who I guess were hiding for their lives, leave the city. And on arriving um, in the next city they go to, Berea, they go back into the synagogue and start preaching there. In just three weeks, Paul gathers a mixed-race church, starts a riot, and then has to run for his life. Surprisingly, though, the church survived under this intense persecution. And Paul even sent a letter to them. And that's one Thessalonians. And it's in response to a letter that the Thessalonians sent to him. Perhaps they said, hey, remember us, the group in Thessalonica? Remember that riot? Well, We're still here. We still believe in Jesus. His goal in 1 Thessalonians is to strengthen the faith of the Thessalonian Christians and to help them keep living until the end, until Christ's return. God has chosen the Thessalonians, and the Thessalonians have chosen God. They could have said to God, we don't need no one to tell us what to do. But instead they said, God, I trust you and I'm going to live with you and live for you and wait for you until the end. So as we look at the first installment of our Living End series, we're going to see Paul choosing to pray for the Thessalonians, him rejoicing that they've chosen to turn to God from idols, and are patiently waiting for their chance to meet their maker. And in doing so, they make faith famous. And So we're going to see that God is calling us to make faith famous too. So let's look at choosing to pray. Paul begins his letter like he does all his letters with a prayer. And this is an especially nice one. Look at verse 2. He says, We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. Thinking of these people fills Paul with joy. And the next verse tells us why. Verse 3. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This triad of faith, love, and hope is something that Paul uses elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 13, which you always hear at weddings, faith, hope, and love. And notice the source of these wonderful things. It's God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. These people are special, not because of what they've done, but because of what God has done in them. Look at verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became for your sake. Notice how deeply Trinitarian this letter is already. Paul is writing this letter in about 51 AD, so only 20 years after Jesus died and rose again, and yet he knows our one God to be three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What's more, the Thessalonians are God's chosen people. Now, sometimes Christians argue about this, about whether God chooses us or we choose God, but really any relationship has two parties. It's like saying, well, did you choose your, 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 your wife or your husband or did they choose you? No, we chose each other. Warren Wearsby puts it beautifully in his commentary on 1 Thessalonians and says, he says, As far as God the Father is concerned, I was saved when he chose me in Christ before the world began. As far as God the Son is concerned, I was saved when he died for me on the cross. As far as the Holy Spirit is concerned, I was saved on Saturday night in May 1945 when I heard the word and trusted Jesus Christ. At that moment, the entire plan fell together and I became a child of God. The Thessalonians are children chosen by God we are children chosen by God. Many of us have grown up believing in God our whole lives and we can't think of a time when we didn't know ourselves to be chosen by God. That's, that's Zoe. I've, I've got a bit of a conversion story, but Zoe, Zoe's always grown up in the church and she's always grown up knowing God. Either way, we need to bolt this certainty in our hearts and hold on to it. Because there are forces in our world that want to snatch our confidence away. Now, those whom God chooses, he also changes. And so in verse 6, we read, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. These people have been saved, and now they are being sanctified. They're imitating Paul and his companions in living out their faith. They haven't just accepted a bunch of doctrines. They're reading their Bibles. They're meeting together for worship. They're caring for their community. And they're sharing their faith with others. No doubt some of the Thessalonian Christians would have lost their jobs because they were Christians. And their new beliefs would have angered their friends and relatives. There's evidence in one Thessalonians that some have died for their faith. But despite their suffering, they are living out the gospel with joy from the Holy Spirit. You can see why Paul is encouraged when he thinks about the Thessalonians. But it's not only Paul who's heard and encouraged by their faith. The Thessalonians have chosen to turn And so he goes on to say in verse 8, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith has become known everywhere. Everywhere. This is a map of where Thessalonica is. Thessalonica is up there. This is the province of Macedonia. This is all modern day Greece. uh, But Macedonia in the north. And this is Achaia down, down here. Um, There were two provinces. You've got Athens around here. You've got Corinth, Ephesus, all these, Colossi, Philippi, all these amazing churches, growing churches in the region. But the church in Thessalonica has become famous for what? For their faith. What a wonderful thing to be famous for. This church isn't famous for its size, for its wonderful buildings, for its dynamic programs. It's famous countrywide for its faith. The people are famous because they turned away from idols. Look at the end of verse 8. Therefore we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell of how you turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God. Now this is significant. Some of the Thessalonians were Greeks who had turned away from worshipping statues in the Greek temples. But most of them were Jews. In a way, Paul is saying that even the Jews have turned away from following their religious idols. That's huge because... Paul grew himself grew up as a Jew, so to call his old way of living idolatry is massive. Friends, here we need to see that you don't need to bow down to a statue to worship idols. If anything takes your top priority apart from Jesus, it's an idol. It's only when we put Jesus at the top of our priorities that the rest of our lives fall into place. And fall into place they do. For the Thessalonians, even heavy persecution wasn't enough to break their faith. Little things can often break my faith. But the love of Jesus is so real, so apparent in the lives of these people, that their faith is famous. I used to uh, be part of a church called um, St. Bart's in Toowoomba. Now Toowoomba uh, has a lot of of big and impressive churches. So our little Anglican church didn't seem that impressive to me. But one day, a friend shared a testimony that uh, Jehovah's Witnesses had knocked on her door. Um, and she had a chat to them about their faith and shared that she was a Christian. They said, oh, you're a Christian. And then they asked her where she went to church. She said, oh, I go to St. Barts." To that, the Jehovah's Witnesses said, wow. We hear that church is going gangbusters. And then they left. The Thessalonians had chosen to turn away from idols and towards the living God. And for that, their faith is famous. Now, there's one more aspect of their faith that Paul delights in in verse 11. And it seems like a throwaway line, but it's a theme that will carry throughout the whole book. The Thessalonians are good at waiting. Waiting for the coming wrath. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us, from the coming wrath. Now, wrath isn't something we like to talk about in 2023. We don't like to think about judgment. But when you think about the atrocities being committed in the Middle East right now, you really have to say that a good and loving God must care about the wickedness that's going on in this world right now. God must care. And so there must be judgment on the evil of this world. It won't go on like this forever. And the truth is the Thessalonians know that one day Jesus will return. We affirm this truth every time in our liturgy when we say, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. The Thessalonians were enduring trials. But they also knew that one day soon, Jesus was returning and are choosing to wait, to wait until God's wrath is poured out on evil. And they're not afraid of the end of the world. In fact, they're living for it. They were looking forward to Jesus' return. And it seems they thought that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. 2,000 years later, this seems like a nutty way to live. But as we work through this letter, Paul will help clear up some misunderstandings for us about end times. And we'll also see that this is actually how Christians are to live. Throughout the Gospels, in stories like the parable of the ten virgins, the waiting servants, the thief in the night, Jesus encourages us to live in anticipation of his return, to live our whole lives. We don't know when he's going to come back. And so we live faithful and fruitful lives so that when he returns he will find us doing his work. Friends, so many of us are worried about the future. There are so many doomsday prophets, religious and non-religious, telling us that the future is bleak, telling us that there's only wrath and sadness to come. But Christianity tells a better story, Jesus, the one who loves us enough to die for us, has chosen us. He has a purpose for us. And one day he will return as king. And so, friends, let's see in this passage our call to make faith famous. We don't need to be the biggest, most beautiful or most morally upstanding church in the land. Instead, let's aim to make faith famous, to make Jesus famous. Verse 7, Paul writes, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. All the Christians throughout Greece want to be like the Thessalonians because of their faith. News of the faith faith of the Thessalonians had reached far and wide, so far, in fact, that as Paul goes to these churches, the other churches, they go, have you heard about the Thessalonians? And Paul goes, well, actually, I was there. I planted the church. But he goes, okay, tell me more about them. (laughs) Friends, let's aspire to be a church like that, that encourages faith in others. Let's support our mission partners with generosity and thoughtfulness. Let's put on events that welcome all sorts of people into our church community and make them feel loved, loved by God. Let's talk about our faith openly like it's the best thing we have going. Because it is. The other day, a member of our church came up to me and apologised for missing church that morning. She then gave me uh, the best reason for not being in church that I'd ever heard. <laughs> she said, David, this morning I missed church uh, because I took my friend to the Uniting Church. She uh, wanted to give church a, a try and she thought she'd feel comfortable there. So I went with her, sat with her, introduced her to the pastor, and they hit it off. Sounds like she'll be going back there soon. What faith! What faith? Friends, let's make faith famous. Let's be a community known for our love for people and for our God. The Thessalonians were famous for their faith. Let's grow in faithfulness too. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.